0: Wildcat Radio. welcome back wildcat faithful to the wildcat radio podcast my name is ronnie stoffel and as always
1: i'm joined by mr adam green adam how you doing buddy it's good to hear from you man like i feel like we didn't we we're gonna say we weren't gonna do a show until arizona won again and then finally we get to do a podcast. So I'm doing yeah, good. You know, it was a fun weekend.
0: Yeah, you know, we, we definitely, uh, we didn't, we weren't too transparent about that with our listeners, but that was certainly our little handshake deal under the table <laughs> thing we had going on. And I uh, didn't think it would take that long, but you know, so be it. But they did it and here we are. So, so Adam, it's funny before, uh, before we started recording, right? I, I, was, I pointed out that anybody born after Saturday, February 26, nineteen eighty three, has never suffered this type of losing streak as an Arizona Wildcats fan. Is is that fair to say that was rock bottom? I mean, how I much hope worse? So. <laughs> I hope. I, I mean,
1: mean well, look at where it started, right? The the L.A. trip without Chase Jeter, that wasn't surprising. Arizona just got destroyed those two games, and they lose an overtime at ASU. You host Washington it was fairly competitive, but you're never going to win that one. You get blown up by Washington State. And then the mountain trip, they were competitive again. So it's like really, you know, seven straight losses and all but maybe two of them, three of them were competitive games that Arizona at some point had a chance to win, but they didn't. And no, I mean, that was, I hope that's rock bottom, man. I hope so.
0: Yeah. So as a result, and obviously we'll we'll touch on this a little bit more after the Bay Area schools visited Tucson and the seven game losing streak was finally snapped, and thus a two game winning streak with three more to go with the rest of the regular season before we head into the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, but yeah, it it's, uh, didn't really set Arizona up to feel. Too great about the position, or the seating rather, for the Pac-12 tournament. But before we get too ahead of ourselves here, let's just handle a couple housekeeping items here. Wildcat Radio Podcast, subscribe for free through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, any podcast catcher. As far as social media goes, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, our Wildcat Radio handle, Wildcat Radio AZ. The, the Wildcat Radio website as well, WildcatRadioAZ.com, the exclusive home for all of our written content. You know, Adam, let, let's just go ahead and, you know, you you, you touched on it. there were some pretty close games along that seven-game losing streak. It was pretty obvious, though, that the early spot, well, definitely the L.A. school, right, because Chase Jeter, the L.A. schools, rather, uh, Chase Jeter did not play in that Um, Chase Jeter did return for the ASU game, which was game three of the seven game losing streak. But uh, you know, he he just was somewhat of a shell of himself, right? Mm -hmm. And even that Washington game, he was still in a funk Washington state, Really, no, I, I can't even make heads or tails out of that game. I mean, that, that was just so mind-boggling. I, yeah. I, I don't even know what to make of that game. Um, but, you know, you kind of started seeing some flashes of the Chase Jeter uh, that we had seen early on in the season, uh, you know, and in, in, in the mountain trip as far as, like, at Utah, at Colorado. He definitely came back pretty strong over the weekend with the Bay Area schools. Uh, but, you know, somebody else that we saw on Sunday uh, with, with Stanford in town was Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Adam, you know, I, I, there's plenty to talk about, you know, with, with, with the Cal and Stanford games, uh, you know, as far as chase Gear was concerned, you know, I release continuing on this upward trajectory. Uh, but, but I really want to focus on Brandon Williams because I, Adam, I you, you, we will never be able to prove it at this point, but I think it's fair. And I think that everybody can agree that if Brandon Williams was, I mean, at least the, 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 the same healthy Brandon Williams or level of healthy Brandon Williams, That we saw in that Stanford game over that seven game losing streak, there would have been no seven game losing streak. Uh, How did you feel that Brandon Williams
1: looked on Sunday against Stanford? Rusty and also maybe a little tentative, I think, from the coaching staff. He only played 18 minutes and he wasn't being relied upon to be Brandon Williams. Because, like, you got to remember the last time we saw him in the LA trip, he was playing really well. He was aggressive. He was playing hard. He was taking shots. He was their main guy. Of course, he had to be in this game. He was kind of deferring a little bit more. But really, the key is just him looking healthy. And he did do that, so. But I, I mean, you're right. I think that if he did play, if he wasn't hurt, then Arizona doesn't lose seven straight games. I don't know which game Arizona wins, but it's you know they went into this thing just to kind of go backwards just a little bit. If you would have said no Chase Jeter for let's just say the first four games of that stretch, right? Because even though he came back for the ASU game, he wasn't himself. Well, you got the Bay or the LA schools, which are tough games no matter who Arizona has on their roster at ASU, who's a very talented team, and then versus Washington, the best team in the conference. You're like, okay, that's without Chase Jeter. Then you get him back, maybe for Washington State, who was just coming off a game where they just worked ASU, too. They were shooting lights out. Then you go to the Mountain Schools, which are also tough games for Arizona. Mm-hmm. You do it without Brandon Williams. So it's it's almost like there was never a good time for Arizona to be without key players. But this stretch in particular might have been the worst time for them to be without key players, and hope they could still steal a win or two because it just the schedule wasn't that forgiving. And again, that goes back to Arizona not being exceptionally or exceedingly talented this season, which is why getting uh, Brandon Williams back for the game against Stanford, even in his limited minutes and that limited role he had, was such a shot in the arm. I think is what Sean Miller said after the game because he is Brandon Williams, and even if he's not himself quite yet, he's a threat every time he's out on the floor, and it opens things up for the guys down low. It just gives them one more player who can throw out. Daniel Miller said it too, just their depth improves dramatically when he's in the game so it was great to see him back out there and you hope that I guess you know this team isn't going to make the tournament either way unless they win the Pac-12 tournament but you kind of hope that he can get himself back into form and this team at least as they finish up the season and go to Vegas they could be at full strength and just see what they can accomplish there because without Brandon Williams playing like Brandon Williams this team doesn't really have much of a chance going forward. Yeah,
0: I agree. And now they're in position. Currently sitting at seven and eight. I believe they are currently sitting in the eighth in the eighth seed. Uh, if the Pac-12 tournament were to start today, they'd be playing that eight-nine first-round game. Um, you know. The, Best case scenario, and we'll get into more of the uh, more more of the details surrounding potential seating for the Pac-12 tournament a little bit later on. Uh, but as it stands right now, right, three more games to go. They go up to the Oregon schools, Oregon State on uh, on Thursday, uh, Oregon on Saturday. And of course, they wrap things up at home senior night against ASU, which is so fitting. And I'm really looking forward to that game. But, uh, but but there are still three games on the regular season docket. And and the best they could do at this point is 10 and eight. Right. So 10 and eight. You know, obviously, given the circumstances, you know, it kind of feels like, you know, you you would you would take that. And the way it's kind of uh, hopefully trending uh, once once the three games are complete is it's trending in the correct direction. Right. Brandon Williams continues to get a little bit healthier, a little bit healthier. You know, you can kind of see. As you mentioned, a, a little rusty, hesitant in terms of shooting. Anything, you know, in the second half, you saw a little bit more life out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think I'm sure a lot of it was just getting his legs back, right? You know, kind of just getting the juices, everything flowing again. Real, real game tempo, uh, as far as all of that's concerned. You know, Adam, let, let's go ahead and just quickly run through the Cal the the Cal game that took place on uh, Thursday night. Now, this game, you know, <laughs> Cal so it's Cal. bad. It's Cal, right? I mean, it it took, I think, like 13 minutes for them to break double digits in the first half. I mean, they they were playing. It it, it was just, it it, it was... The first like ten minutes of that game, Cal was awful. But honestly, too, we didn't look too hot ourselves. No. <laughs> so that was a very, very tough, tough ten minutes to watch basketball there. Uh, luckily, luckily, Arizona pulled it together. Really, from that point on, they they went to halftime with a thirty to twenty lead. Ended up uh, outscoring Cal pretty handily in the second half by fifteen points bringing the final score to 76 51 you know this this game I think the game ball obviously then has to go to Ryan Luther Ryan mm-hmm. Luther is so money you know as as you know it kind of sinks that, that 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 the 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 season is winding down right you know and and you kind of just it's really been the thing with Ryan Luther all that He's had flashes, right? He's had these flashes when he's hot. He's he's really good. I mean, when he's hot, I mean, he's easily the best player uh, that Arizona has on the floor. Uh, but he is so money from that corner pocket. And you know, getting back to the Chase Jeter thing too, uh, a, a pretty strong outing for Chase Jeter uh, in this game. Twenty-five minutes, thirteen points. Ryan Luther, of course, twenty-nine minutes, nineteen points. Uh, and then you know, hey, how about Alex Barcelo? Right, you know, Alex Barcelo, eighteen minutes. 14 points. That's a pretty good ratio there. Um, you know, other than that, it was pretty pedestrian. I thought for a lot of these players, Devin air, Dutrieve had 19 minutes, 11 points. Um, Justin Coleman though, you know, Justin Coleman, uh, if, if just, just on the surface of his 31 minutes, one of five from the field. The lone make was a three point attempt, no free throw attempts. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but he did have six rebounds and eight assists, two steals, right? He had five turnovers, which wasn't great by any means. But, uh, you know, he, he's somebody that. I don't want to really compare him to Brandon Randolph in the sense that like they can go off at any point, because I do think that there's a lot more confidence with Justin Coleman's game. Uh, but, but he's kind of a wild card as far as everything's concerned here. You know, the Cal game, I don't know how much we should really take from that. It was a victory. Again, it ended the seven game losing streak.
1: What were your feelings overall on the Cal game? Who stood out to you? Yeah, I think you kind of almost touched on it at the end there is that to me, it was just good to see them get a win. Like it was Cal who is so ungodly bad where a good Arizona team beats them by 45 and holds them to, like, 30 points. (laughs) You know, like, and that's not to take away from the win, because obviously when you lose seven in a row, you take any win, no matter how you can get it. And Arizona, to their credit, they were clearly better than Cal. Even a bad Arizona team missing one of their best players is still substantially better than the Cal Golden Bears this season. So you take that, and... I guess, I mean, this is the type of game where you'd like to see a guy like Barcelo play well because he's going to get some minutes. You'd like to see Dutrieve play well because he's going to get some minutes. You know, the rest of the starters, they all did what they had to do. Luther was scoring, so that was fine. Jeter was scoring. He looked like himself out there. The rest of the guys, Coleman, Smith, Randolph, didn't have to do much other than what they did. So it's it's hard to take away a lot from this game. I guess at this point we know who Arizona is, at least we think we do. But Cal is just so bad where if you don't, beat them by double jutes especially at home I don't care who you are then something went terribly wrong so to me this was that game where it's like hey losing streak over that's great and my mentality or my thought process let's see what happens Sunday against Stanford because you knew that would be a tougher opponent than Cal so I guess big picture thank you Cal for being so terrible because (laughs) it it made for a like a very non-stressful evening watching Arizona in this one but you know, it's good to see Ryan Luther shoot the ball well because no matter who you're playing, five of eight three-pointers is very good. You know, mm-hmm. you mentioned Barcelo. He's showing some aggressive. He took seven free-throw attempts in that game, which means he was going to the bucket, getting fouled, looked a little more confident. Dutrieve the same. Had the six rebounds, too, to go along with his 11 points. So, you know, it was a nice effort. It was the guys off the bench, Ira Lee, Dutrieve, and Barcelo. You kind of want to see them play well because if Arizona's going to have any chance to be anything this season, really... You know, who knows which of these guys are back next season, but if they're going to be as good as we think they can be going forward, some of these guys who are coming off the bench now are going to have to find their footing. And if it's not this year, if Barcelo sticks around and he's a capable backup off the bench next season, you know, if Dutrieve sticks around and he's a capable guy, takes that step forward for next season, and of course Ira Lee continues to progress this year, then Arizona will be much, much better for it. So, you know, I don't take a lot away from the win itself, other than it's nice to get a win, but certainly. Some of the guys within the game, some of the younger players who haven't been stars this season, playing well and stepping up even against a really bad team was very nice to see.
0: It was very, very good to see. Moving on then into into Sunday uh, when they hosted Stanford. Now Stanford, of course, KZ Akpala, they're arguably their best player. Uh, you know, he he missed the ASU game. Well, of there was he some did. talk. Yeah, right. Of course. Yeah. Let's give all the breaks to ASU that they can. That's fantastic. So then of course, you know, he he was able to rest up and uh, lo and behold, who who was out there, who was out there Sunday evening uh, on the ESPN two spotlight in Tucson. So Arizona, of course. You know, it, it was, it was released leading into the game, uh, right. That the Brandon Williams now, and I'm uh, f- full disclosure here. I didn't even know that Brandon Williams, we, we had, we were so busy this weekend that it was really tough for me to keep up on things. I didn't know that Brandon Williams was playing until he was actually inserted into the game. Yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's him. And the first thing that I was looking at, was his knee right? Like, and he would, he did not have any wraps, anything whatsoever on either of his knees. Right? He he looked fine. He was wearing one of those compression sock things on his calf. It looked like I believe it was his right calf. But by no means did he have anything wrapped up in the first half on his knee. Now in the second half, it was interesting because I was trying to look at it again to see if you know maybe was how did it feel, how did it look. He did have some of that uh, kinesiology tape, whatever it is, uh, around the knee. But you know, overall, Adam, this is the highlight of the game. I mean, obviously, the win is probably the most important thing here. I mean, I don't think there's two ways about that. Arizona does take care of business 70 to 54. Let's, let's just put, put, I mean, let's just get that out there right now. I mean, Stanford really did not play a good game and they were in foul trouble. It felt like for, for, for some of that, uh, for, for some of that second half that really took them out of it. Chase Jeter, of course, fouls out of this game uh, and around, I think it was around like the three or four minute mark. And it was only a 10 point game. I mean, this game, Mm -hmm. Chase Jeter had a pretty strong game in the first half. Uh, pretty a pretty strong outing foul. in the first half. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. and they I don't saying, think he too, touched
1: him, but it was also one where it's like you can't even pretend like you're going to go try to block that shot because they're going to call that foul.
0: Well, I, I think what was most most frustrating to me was so Karan, brought, Karan Butler, excuse me, was on the call, right? Mm-hmm. And I he something they they touched on it when I think back in the day when he was at UConn that he and the Wildcats they had like this back and forth rivalry. I think there was a home and home something happened. He was kind of felt like uh, kind of giving us some tough love at times, but you know he he was like yeah you know that that Chase Jeter foul that yeah that's a foul every day, and then Kaziak Paula lowers his shoulder with three fouls and just completely bulldozes Dylan Smith, I think it was. And there's no call whatsoever. And Cron and Butler's co-host is like, uh, you know, that. Uh, how do you feel about that? And he's like, well, let, let's watch it again. And then the exact, and it's like, even slowing down, it's like, I don't know how that's not an offensive foul. And he's like, well, you know, I think that's a good no call. You know, it's just, right. he's got three
1: fouls. It's like, well, no, you can't have it both ways here. Like that yeah. was kind of crap. Shouldn't matter and, how I, many fouls a guy has if you're going to call a foul on them.
0: The foul's a you know. foul. And you know, it did kind of feel like some of these packed it was typical pac 12 officiating a little trigger happy on the whistles that time. But uh, you know, and in this case too, I mean, with Chase here, you, you nailed it. I mean, that's fifth foul was just crap. But
1: anyway, right. But I so, put that on him too, but yeah. anyway, you were saying that was, a, I sidetracked you. That's my bad. Yeah,
0: no, 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 no you're good. We digress, whatever. <laughs> That's fine. Arizona wins 70 54. Um, but, but I think, you know, then of course the next biggest piece to this is Brandon Williams return. Now, uh, you know, he, I mean, he, yes, the 18 minutes, one of four, Oh, of two from three, Uh, two free throws, right? I mean, he looked pretty aggressive. There were a couple strong drives. I felt that he had to the bucket uh, and he didn't look scared of the contact or anything else. I mean, he looked pretty solid. I thought now I am curious to know, what exactly is going to happen moving forward? Uh, how how the knee feels first and foremost, right? Like obviously, uh, there there hasn't been any reports or anything about you know we there were setbacks and you know he reaggravated an injury this or that you know nothing like that. So I think at this point, no news is good news, and you know you just hope that he progresses over the next three games, gets gets uh, all all up to speed for the Pac-12 tournament. Um, but but you know, uh, Ira I, I really, Lee, I mean Ira really Lee was was really the story of this game, and in the 20 minutes he played, now it was only half the game. Of course, but six of seven from the field, four of four from free throws. And he had some pretty electrifying plays. Uh, Aside from that, Adam, you know, Justin Coleman, 14, seven and five. That's a very, very strong college stat line. I feel like anytime you can get up to five assists uh, in college, that's, that's a pretty strong outing there again, Chase Jeter four fourteen 14 and four ended up fouling out in only 21 minutes strong here and there. Adam what what were the biggest takeaways you had here aside from
1: Stanford's kind of up and down play throughout the game well the fact that Arizona got off to such a great start in this one and we haven't seen that a lot this year from the cats they were 14 to three four minutes into the game you know and it's like okay you knew it wasn't going to last Arizona wasn't going to just blow them out like that you thought anyway but just the way the cats came out fired up and playing good basketball making shots was rare that was new and Then the rest of the game, you touched on it. It was just overall a solid performance all the way around from a team that's been struggling of late. I mean, like I said, like the Cal game was like, hey, it's nice to get that win, but I want to see what happens against a better team. And I don't care how average Stanford is, they're infinitely better than Cal. And if you look look at that box score, it seems like everyone almost did what you would expect them to do. You know, Luther hit a three pointer, had six rebounds, seven points. That's cool. Jeter had his 14 points, only four rebounds, but he was effective. Randolph made four shots, including two threes. Finally, he made a couple of threes. Coleman had the assists and some rebounds. And of course, the bench guys all played fairly well, too, filling their roles. So, you know, I don't know if there was really one player that stood outside of, I guess, Ira Lee, especially after Jeter fouled out. He kind of stepped up and made some shots down low and provided some energy, some spark with some of his big dunks. But. Now this is one of the more complete efforts I feel like we've seen from Arizona, definitely recently, if not during Pac-12 play. Just against a decent Stanford team with Okpala, who is almost unguardable when he's right, and he was just mm-hmm. there. He was just kind of a he was just a regular player. Like no one on Stanford really got going, and Arizona got a really balanced effort from their guys. And sure, they coughed up that big lead that they had, which was going to happen, and Stanford made it close. And then the Wildcats just pushed it back and then pulled away. So it was kind of like. This was the game that you're used to seeing from Arizona from, you know, last year's team, the year before that, the year before that, team that would get off to a good start, it would get a little bit closer and then they'd pull away. Arizona did that. And, you know, it's not a sign that Arizona's good. I know people are getting all excited, hey, they won two in a row. Well, one was against the worst team in the conference, the other was against Stanford who's average and this was at home. But it was just nice to see this game cap off the Bay Area, hosting the Bay Area schools because it was a complete effort against a solid basketball team
0: there's no such thing as a bad win. And these were two very much needed wins. I mean, just the timing of them, Uh, You know, it it just can't be overstated. I mean, how, how important these two wins were for Arizona moving forward, Adam, of course, now they will travel up to the Oregon schools. As I mentioned earlier, they, they open that road trip at Oregon state on Thursday, and then they'll finish it up uh, in Eugene on Saturday, both games, I believe are actually on ESPN, which is good, good exposure for a conference that's just having an awful year. But I mean, that's still helpful for me uh, being (laughs) on the road and with the watch ESPN app. So that's good stuff. But um, so Adam, I I think, you know, let's, let's actually go through just a a few scenarios here because earlier I was trying to figure out uh, exactly, you know, what is the best that Arizona could finish at this point, right? Again, we already said uh, they currently sit at seven and eight, which is good for the eighth seed right now, the eighth spot, in the Pac-12. Now, this is where it gets really interesting, though, because, I mean, there's just almost such a bottleneck. I mean, ASU sitting at, at 10 and 5, right? So they're three games better than Arizona right now. Um, theoretically, theoretically, Arizona and ASU uh, could finish in a 10 and 8 tie, right? Because uh, if Arizona wins their next three games, which would include a heads-up win over ASU. and ASU loses all three games. There's your 10 and 8 tie. That'd be
1: hilarious, by the way. I don't expect it to happen, but it would be hilarious.
0: You know what? It wouldn't. How how surprised? Let's assign. I mean, I guess not even probability. Just but how but how surprised would you actually be if that happened? Like like let's say because really really the shocking part would be that they would drop both games in Oregon. Now it's on the road and we know historically Bobby Hurley, you know, it's still, and, and I don't even put, I don't even give this too much credence, but I guess I am by talking about it right now, <laughs> but, but I get, but I I don't put too much on, you know, having, you know, he's never swept a pac 12 road series, you know, whatever. That's really tough to do. And I'm not saying, you know, like he's a good or bad coach because they hadn't done it, whatever, you know, or even, you know, kind of just write it off as, it's really a non-story, but the point I'm trying to make is like: is it would it be shocking that they dropped both of these games up in Oregon? Uh,
1: not necessarily, no. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked necessarily that if ASU lost their last three games, all three road games. <laughs> what would surprise me is if Arizona won their last three. You know, if Arizona Fair. swept the Oregon road trip and then came home to beat ASU, like, I, I could see that. I could see ASU losing their last three a lot more easily than I see Arizona winning their last three, but. You know, if you're the Sun Devils, obviously we're not a Sun Devil podcast. Thank God. I wouldn't want to talk about that team (laughs) any more than we have to. But they're they're inconsistent. They're very talented. Like they're good enough to win their last three games too. But we saw them; they were losing, getting outplayed severely by Cal for 20 minutes. And I know it was the first half, and they turned on the second half and pulled away like they should. But this is a team that has struggled at times. I mean, geez, Arizona almost beat them, and that was with Mm -hmm. Brandon Williams and with Chase Jeter still working. You know, working his way back, not even being close to himself. So. They're fully capable of beating, as we've seen, beating some really good teams, and they're just as able to lose to some bad teams or average teams. And both Oregon and Oregon State are, I mean, Oregon State's right behind them in the Pac 12 somehow, you know, so they're tough. And of course, Oregon, as though disappointing, they're at home and they're going to be tough to beat there too. So, you know, I hope ASU loses their last three games. That'd be great. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, you know, oh, at least because that means they lose the last one. I'd be very happy with that, but I just have a hard time seeing Arizona win their last three, or at least sweeping the Oregon trip myself.
0: See, that's 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 the key because it, to me, I you know, especially if Brandon Williams, you know, because by that point, Brandon Williams will have another another ten days, eleven days under his belt, right? Like mm-hmm. getting back up to game speed for that ASU game, senior night in Tucson. I mean, how close the last game was in Tempe? They needed overtime for crying out loud to beat a a a team that has chased Jeter at like 60%. I don't what even, what, what level of health did Sean Miller assign? Of course it's just kind of ballparking it, but obviously it was not himself no. and there was no Brandon Williams. So, I mean, I, you, you got to figure that, 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 that bodes somewhat well. Now, of course it's not a slam dunk, right? But like it bodes well for Arizona. I think that that game now, now the kicker is of course going to Corvallis, than Eugene. Now I think that you know, Oregon State is having a solid year, of course, uh, albeit in a really down year for the conference, of course. Uh, but Arizona has already beaten Oregon State this year. And that uh, was now, of the course, game was where Jeter Tucson. got hurt. Yes, yeah. And, and, you know, and so what, Jeter got hurt like early on in the second half, too. Like I think, I think it was like the first half. I think it was early in was the game. The, Okay so there you have it so they play I mean they played most of that game without Chase Jeter so I mean yeah. that that to me you know so they've already proven you know now obviously on the road to different beasts but uh, they've already proven you know they they somewhat match up fairly well there with Oregon State Oregon, you know, we always just have such a hard time going to Eugene. Now, of course, this isn't the same Oregon team that we've been accustomed to over the last few years. But, you know, I mean, you know, it, it kind of bounces itself out. Tough place to play. Team's down a little bit. How's Arizona going to look two games from now? You know, another week of preparation, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess kind of getting back to just the whole point of this, this just giant bottleneck of two through, uh, two through 10 in, in, in the PAC 12 standings. Now, I mean, yes, theoretically too, Washington could end up, you know, I guess, you know, they they could theoretically lose their last four games, highly unlikely. And, uh, you know, even, even if they did that, they would require ASU, and oregon state to win out to even then force a tie you know with with uh, shaking things up at the top but but really you know it where it gets interesting for me adam uh let's just say that asu and oregon state are in washington it's pretty much locked washington one asu two uh, oregon state three right Mm -hmm. from from that point forward utah four usc five ucla six colorado seven arizona eight now And I guess just uh, for consistency here with everybody in the loss column and how everything stacks up, Stanford is also sitting at seven and eight and they have, they, they do not have the tiebreaker over Arizona. So they're sitting at the nine seed Oregon has a six and eight record sitting in the 10 seed. So you can just see, you know, really from Utah down to Oregon, there is a two game differential in the loss column. So, Adam, I mean, I I went through it and I was trying to figure out exactly what is what is the highest, what is the best case scenario in terms of the seating for the Pac-12 tournament? And, you know, you sit there and you see Utah sitting at nine and six, theoretically, mathematically, rather two games behind uh, Arizona's two games behind Utah. Now, the only problem is, of course, you know, Utah could could lose out. Right. That could theoretically lose out. Arizona wins it out. And then, you know, that's fine. You know, you'd be able to jump Utah. The problem is that Utah, USC, UCLA and Colorado, all four of them have three games left and they all play each other. So it's like a little bit of a round robin there, which basically then constricts Arizona to only being able to advance as high as the six seed in the pac Wolf tournament. So it looks like Adam at this point, we're locked into playing that first game, and it's really, of course, now just a matter of is it going to be the 6-11 game or the 7-10? I'd like to think that, uh, that that we wouldn't drop to that 8-9 game. That could be pretty tough, and then, of course, then a rematch if, if, if we even win that game to take on Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, Adam, I mean, I, I think the biggest question here, maybe I'm focusing too much on the details because it's such a weird year. Does
1: it even matter which seed we're in? <laughs> I mean, it, it depends if you go into thinking that Arizona has a chance to win the whole thing, right? And obviously, I guess most of us probably feel like if Arizona's healthy playing on top of their game, they could. But in that event, I don't think it does matter what seed they are because just the fact that no one in this conference is so otherworldly dominant, where if Arizona plays well, and I, I, mean, I know they've only played Washington once and lost and They've played ASU, lost to them a grand it was really overtime. But I don't know which team in the conference really scares me In terms of, I mean, Washington is more consistent, ASU is probably more talented, but I do think if Arizona is healthy and firing on all cylinders, they can beat anyone in this Pac-12 tournament because the Pac-12 is so just average at best. So, no, I don't think it really matters what seed the Cats are, who they play. It's really up to them. And that's not to say that they're better than everyone else because obviously Colorado podcasts could say if they're playing on top of their game, and UCLA's showing if they're on top of their game, they can play really well. So there's a lot of teams in that middle range. Like it wouldn't shock me if the Bruins won the whole thing just because they are still talented. You know, yeah. USC seems to be playing some pretty decent basketball. So, you know, there's a lot of teams that are in that group that can say, hey, if they play well and they catch the, t- the opponent on the right day, then they can beat them. And I think Arizona's in that group. So, no, I wouldn't worry so much about you know, who they're going to, uh, you know, who they're going to match up with. I mean, obviously once it happens, you break it down, but it doesn't worry me what seed they're going to be other than, hey, it would have been nice to get that first round, you know, that first day by, but they're going to have to win now four straight if they want to make the tournament. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And you know what we, it just got to the point, you know, seven games, six games, five games. Once that losing streak reached about, I mean, anything after four, it was like, all right, All right. They just need to get healthy and they probably need to try to figure out what's the best route for them to 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 run the table, you know, and especially after dropping those many games. Yes. Yes. The first round bye was still on the table, um, but now it is clearly off the table and four games in four days.
1: That's uh, that's that's pretty pretty tough. haven't had to do that in a while you know Haven't had the one in a or the while. two seed for like the every year for like the past four or five years it seems like or probably a few years ago when they had the ryan anderson year they weren't i don't remember what record arizona was or where they were in the tournament but i know they have the first round by yeah
0: yeah you know, they the definitely had a first
1: round by yeah honestly
0: i don't know that's a really good uh we we'll probably need to follow up on that here in a minute exactly when the last time was uh, my guess would be my guess would be Miller's first year, because even the year that they lost, uh, what was it? Bucknell was it? Bucknell in the NIT uh, yeah. at home. That year, they 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 were runner up to was it Oregon State yeah, or it was, it was Colorado? Colorado. Yeah. yeah, it was Colorado. And even the, so, that was. I mean, I want to. I mean, they most. I feel like they definitely had a first round by there because it's the four, first four seeds. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you know again, digressing, this is I apologize for the listeners and (laughs) all this rambling, but I just (laughs) all all the theorizing here. I know it's tough to deal with, but, you know, it is it is an exciting time of the year, I guess. And especially just with the way things are starting to shape up, it feels a little bit with the team. Now, Adam, kind of getting back to, okay. we've established that it's going to be four games in four days, right? I mean, that's just how it's going to go. This is now where where those minutes with well for one with Ira Lee really starting to, starting to take some steps forward right he's really progressing he's really growing as a player and he's also uh, as, as far as as far as his basketball IQ is going you can tell he's really starting to figure out the game a little bit too he's he's not going out there and racking up four fouls in nine minutes like we've seen mm-hmm. in the past I mean he is really starting to become more careful and, and more methodical it seems like with the game aside from that too though. You know, Devineer Dutrieve and Alex Barcelo. I mean, these two guys. You know, Alex Barcelo. You know, we've touched on plenty of times where you know he's been a bit of a disappointment, right? He hasn't really progressed the way that we wanted him to this year. Um, but you know, over the last few games, there has really seen seems like a little bit of growth there as well. And Devineer Dutrieve. I mean, honestly, Devineer Dutrieve is is very talented, right? I mean, that that's I think I mean that that's uh, that that's stating the obvious, I guess. So I apologize to anybody that had to listen to that right there. But as far as Devineer Dutrieve is concerned, and in now in this rotation, I mean, there is now a nine-man rotation here once again, right? And uh, those minutes that were lost by Emmanuel Aycott, uh, you know, long gone. Devonair Dutrieve was the beneficiary. And now, of course, with Brandon Williams missing those, uh, those what was it, five games he missed in a row? Mm-hmm. Six games in a row, whatever it was. Six. Uh, Devin Airdutrieve really stepped in and saw some minutes, right? I mean, so going back to the Washington state game, he had by 19 minutes at Utah, 18 minutes, Colorado, 11 minutes. Uh, Let's see, moving on Colorado, 19 minutes, or excuse me, California, Cal, 19 minutes, Stanford, 12 minutes. I mean, he, he's really starting to see some, and it's not a, it's not garbage time minutes too. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. there was times where like early on in the season, was like all right, get him in there so he doesn't transfer and get all pissy. You know, like whatever. <laughs> it was like it's like now it's like he's actually playing quality minutes. And and even though a lot of that I'm sure had to do with Brandon Williams not being there, uh, I do now expect that Devin Ertuğr dutrieve is somewhat carved out a little bit of a role. And I think that that's going to be very important over that four game four day stretch. Uh, Brandon Williams, what I really want to look over these next three games is how does the rotation look? You know, how, how, how do the, how do the rotations look? How do the substitutions look? How does everyone, how do the minutes kind of shake out? And I'm sure it's going to be, you know, every every game is gonna be slightly different, right? Like Oregon state and Oregon play two different types of two different type of types of games, right? I mean, ASU is even schematically a different team than those other two. So of course a lot of that's going to depend on the opponent, but I'm I'm pretty excited to see how Devon air shakes out over these last few games as well.
1: Yeah, and I think that, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like even these last three regular season games, where you know we're talking about the Pac-12 tournament because obviously we all know that's Arizona's only hope for getting into the NCAA tournament. But these last three regular season games are about the guys like Dutrieve and Barcelo and Irelie really showing that growth because you know that's if Arizona's going to have a chance winning four games in four days, they're going to need these contributions from their bench and you know, wherever this season ends up, and it's probably in the NIT, but, you know, you'd feel a lot better about things knowing that, hey, they've lost a couple of games probably because of the Jeter injury, maybe a couple of games because of the Brandon Williams injury. You take those things away. Maybe Arizona sneaks in as a bubble team. But if Ira Lee progresses to the point where you feel like, hey, going into next season, he's going to be a valuable piece to a good team, that Dutrieve could be ready to take that leap forward, that Barcelo can be a contributor, you know, that's what this season will become about. And it's not typical of Arizona basketball usually you're looking forward to the tournament for a chance to win a national championship but this year's team especially with what happened with ACOT transferring and all just the injuries and the uncertainty about a lot of things if players start to show that progression it's going to at least let you take something away from this season so you know you mentioned that Dutrieve carved out that role and I'm Interested, too, to see where this goes over the next few games with Brandon Williams back because guys who were getting those bigger minutes might see them decrease, or maybe Arizona does have that nine-man rotation or an eight-man rotation that they really feel good about and can play well, where maybe if Dylan Smith is struggling or Brandon Randolph is struggling, you can go to Dutrieve. You know, Maybe you can get Brandon Williams' little more of a break because you're confident in Barcelo, and Ira Lee, of course, can play with Jeter, can spell Jeter, can do all sorts of things there, so... You know, it's, I guess you just hope the team's coming together. And part of this team coming together is those guys filling roles off the bench. You're playing fairly well. You know, every time they're on the court, if they play 15 minutes, if they play 18, if they play seven, you know, they are productive and useful. So, you know, that's what you're looking for. And, you know, I guess it's it's not what I like watching U of A for. I usually like watching U of A Mm. for them winning and being a championship contender. But at the same time, right now, if you're looking for something over these last three games, because obviously, again, uh, Vegas is where it's going to be determined if they make a run, if they can get the NCAA tournament. But these next three games, watch that. Watch the guys like Barcelo and Dutrieve and Ira Lee and see if they continue that progression because that – you know, it may not, meet, may not have meant a lot of wins this season, and it won't mean a national championship, but it doesn't mean it's meaningless. And I think that's something to keep in mind. And hey, if Arizona can somehow win these next three games and then go into March or go into the Pac 12 tournament with five straight wins, and obviously they have some momentum and maybe figure something out, who knows what can happen. But I think this season, especially now, is more about the development and guys solidifying themselves as not only college basketball players, but college basketball players for the University of Arizona.
0: It is kind of interesting to think. So I'm 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 gonna throw this out there and I might sound like a complete nut job for even asking. Oh, I'm but ready but for I am it. <laughs> but 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 I am internally kind of struggling with this just because I mean I think, you know, regardless of, you know, Chase Jeter Chase Jeter getting healthy, uh, Brandon Williams back, you know, and continuing to heal from his from his MCL sprain. I, I think the biggest question here at this point, we we know the ceiling. If, if in fact they do win the PAC 12 tournament and what to expect when, when you get to, to, to the big dance, like at that point, right, they punch the ticket, the auto bid happens. Adam, the question I have for you is would you rather have a one and done scenario in the, in the PAC 12 or excuse me, in the NCAA March madness tournament, or would you rather
1: win the NIT? Oh, I'd rather get to the NCAA tournament and the one and done, if only because of what that would mean for this team that back against the wall, They found a way, I guess, if it's winning four straight games in Vegas, I think that would say something. I think that would say a lot more than winning the NIT for them. Um, And Obviously, you want to see more games, but I think just for this team getting to the NCAA tournament, however it happened, would mean a lot you know, to not be the team that broke Arizona's streak. Shoot, just for the hilarity of it, where if Arizona makes it, maybe that knocks a team like ASU off the bubble. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just the fact that this would be the, like, if the worst season that Arizona has, I guess since Miller's third season, if the worst season ends up with Arizona still making the NCAA tournament, then I think that would just be an amazing thing and would just show that this team, never quit, that they did improve, that Miller did keep them engaged and do one of his best coaching jobs, which to me would mean a lot more than maybe winning the NIT because, you know, it's the NIT. In you know, the words, when Arizona was not it, they looked like they didn't care when they lost to yeah. Bucknell in Tucson. Mm-hmm. So just to me, just getting to the NCAA tournament, what it would take from this point on would say more than winning the NIT would or even just getting bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Just, just getting there at this point, to me, would just mean everything.
0: All right. All right. You talked me into it. I, yeah. th- I think I think that's going to be my answer, too. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though, because it, in, in a selfish way, I'm just thinking like, OK, because I do still expect them. I do still s- expect them to at least make the semifinals of the Pac-12 tournament. Right. And if they don't have a first round by, that means they played in three games. Right. And so I guess I'm just thinking selfishly, like how, how many more games could I at least you know, hitch my wagon to, you know, I actually care about as far as the season's concerned
1: until it's over. It's not like right now, as bad as this team has played and you know, they, they could still make the NCAA tournament. It's obviously not likely, but until the season is officially over, there's always a chance. So yeah, I mean, if Arizona plays, well, let's say for instance, they split this weekend against the Oregon schools. Let's say, I don't know. They beat, they lose to Oregon state, but they beat Oregon and they come home and they beat ASU. You know, they're winners of four of their last five, including a win over ASU, including a road win at Oregon. You're feeling pretty good about them. You know maybe not saying they're going to win the Pac-12 tournament, but you're saying, OK, Arizona's starting to play their best ball at the end of the season when you want them to be. And I think, and this is almost like I think for every season, you kind of just want Arizona to be healthy and have their be- whatever their best is, you want them to have a chance to play it. And, yeah. you know, last year they had that and they flopped against Buffalo in the first round. Uh, it's like, that up, yeah, bring that up. yeah, that's still, I put that more in Buffalo even than I do Arizona. You know, the year before that, you know, Trier didn't, I mean, he came back finally after that long suspension, that mystery thing in Arizona, the Xavier game. But just, my point is if Arizona can get to the Pac-12 tournament healthy and in rhythm with Brandon Williams playing like Brandon Williams and Arizona gets to the semifinals, loses in the second round, goes to the championship game, whatever happens, you say, you know what, at least they already have the chance. Yeah, and it didn't seem like that was the case, especially without Chase Jeter and definitely without Brandon Williams. This team wouldn't have had a chance. We saw them lose seven straight games because they were missing those guys for some combination of that. So, (laughs) you know, these last three games are about just seeing where this team can be, getting these guys ready to go, and see if they can't make a miracle run in Vegas. Because again, like we look at this, we say Washington—they're thirteen and one. This isn't a great Washington team. You know, they're fine. They're solid. They're not going to beat themselves, but they're not supremely talented. You know, ASU yeah. might be the most talented team in the conference, and they're not as well coached as some of these other teams, which is why they're so inconsistent. And then Oregon State, do we really think they're the third best team in the conference? Utah, no. number four. <laughs> no. So it's there have been, I don't know if there's been a worse Arizona team that's made a run in, in the Pac-12 tournament, but there's certainly better teams that they've run into that they're going to be playing. Like It's still the Pac-12. Right. So it's still a bad conference. It's being Someone has to win it, someone has to lead the conference, but it's still a bad conference. And yeah, until Arizona's knocked out, then I guess if you want, you can believe that they can make that run. And who knows, if they do, that'd be hilarious. It'd be so much fun. Because, well, because... it probably wouldn't knock a team like ASU out of the tournament if Arizona were to win the Pac-12 tournament. Well, that
0: that actually makes me want to one and done even more. That that's hilarious. That I mean, I actually I hadn't considered that. I I think you're 100 percent right because there ASU is going to be a bubble team. They're There's no the way that Texas gets of the
1: two teams. I mean, more than two teams in. No way. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then I think at this point, like, if Wa- I mean, Washington's pretty much locked themselves in. So I, I think that they they would have to probably lose uh they're so they have to lose like the next 5 games right the last 4 of the regular season and then lose the very first game of the Pac-12 tournament to even be considered on the bubble and i still think they're probably in um but i yeah i, I think that's a really good point though because if if you think about so if, if you think back to that year, um, it was right before Miller came on then, right? And it was the Jordan Hill-Chase-Buttinger year. And somehow, somehow, they made they made the NCAA tournament and then pulled one of the 12-5 oh, upsets. It was over Utah, Utah I believe. Yeah. yeah. And then they beat Cleveland State because Cleveland State beat the—they were the thirteen seed and beat mm-hmm. the four seed in the next round. And here we are sitting in the Sweet 16.
1: And then I mean, played like, Louisville, uh, an actual good team, and got smoked and set the worst loss (laughs) record, I think. I think think that still stands. Yeah, it
0: was (laughs) they lost me like 40-something points. But you know what, Adam? But they made it there. But you know what, Adam? The point to that story is they made it to the Sweet 16. And that Sweet 16 was very sweet, that whole whole week leading up to it. The point to that is, like, you just don't know how it's going to shake out. You know, that's why it's like, maybe just get there. Just get there and see. I mean, crazy things have to happen. Other teams have to win, but you just focus on yourself. And you know what? Because the other thing, too, like, Let's actually play this through then, because, of course, a lot of this depends on you know how everybody else shakes out. And by I mean, everybody else, meaning everybody else in the tournament, basically all the power five schools. Right. Because I'm pretty sure a power five school does not get seated lower than a 12 seed. So the, the lowest that they could go is a 12 seed. I, I fact checks, fact, fact checks me on that. I'm pretty sure. But I'm pretty sure that's the case. So let, let's assume that that is the case. They went out here, Adam, right? So they, if they win their last three games, that puts them at 19 and 12. They win their next four games and get the automatic bid. That puts them at 23 and 12. Now, coming from just a very, very, very poor conference, the weakest of the power fives, and then probably even weaker than a lot of the mid-majors mm-hmm. this year, but um, 23 and 12, I mean, you got to figure they're no higher than a 10 seed, right? Like they're, they're going to be like 10, 11, 12, so probably not a 12, but probably like that 10, 11 range. So now you get into the situation where, okay, the 10 would play the seven, uh, the 11 plays the six those are pretty comparable matchups usually. You know what I mean? Like those are pretty, those are usually coin flip games. Not not as much as like the eight, nine games, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, but those seven, 10, uh, seven, 10, six, 11
1: games, I mean, those are usually a bit of a coin flip. So now they were going way ahead of ourselves, by the way.
0: I like that though, because we may not be able to have this conversation That's again. <laughs> yeah, we have to do the
1: hypothetical tournament matchups because there won't be any real ones to talk yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're going to have to wait a year for this. So. No, I mean, I, I guess. I mean, look at some of the teams. If you want to go down that road, and I'll play along. Like, <laughs> there are probably teams that are worse than this Arizona team that have made NCAA tournament runs. You know, you get hot, and any the you know, matchups work your way, you make some threes, and it would. You know, I say this now because I want to talk myself into it too, because it'd be fun but it'd be so fitting that this team makes the run, you know, that somehow they get hot and they pull one of those like Syri- like or UConn teams and they only made the tournament because they won their yeah. conference tournament and then just get uh-huh. hot and carry them. You know, that Ryan Luther goes crazy or Brandon Randolph or Brandon Williams, <laughs> you know, one of the Brandons just catches fire and they're hitting four or five threes a game and Arizona just starts beating everyone that they play. You know, that would just go to figure that this would be the team that would make that run. But, you know, I know we were talking. I think it was before one of the last – not the last show we did, but I think the one before about – it was almost like when after the initial uh, Pac-12 schedule when Arizona went on the road, you know, Arizona was 4-0 to start conference break. Oh, well, everything that they needed to have happen for them to be good was happening. You know, I mean, it helped that they played Utah and Colorado at home, and it's, of course, it helped that they played Stanford and Cal to start their Pac-12 road swing. But, you know, if all those things kind of happen again, if Brandon Randolph plays well, if the game against Stanford most recently – was him kind of snapping out of that funk. And if Brandon Williams gets healthy and is playing like he did against UCLA when he was – before he got hurt, you know, if Chase Jeter gets back to playing like he did before he got hurt, then – and then the guys, virally continues this and Dutrieve and Barcelo hits a couple of shots off the bench, then, you know, that's the recipe for this team to be good. And it hasn't been there this season, whether it's injury, and consistency, lack of confidence. But I guess it kind of goes back to do you believe this team is not very talented, or not very good out those are the same things. Like there's probably some talent on this team. that just hasn't manifested itself on the court. And I guess if it does, then this Arizona team's probably better than some of the teams that have made final four runs. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying that yeah. this is this going to happen. You know, this isn't sure. the team to do it. I don't think like, don't get me wrong. I don't see it happening. Too many things have to happen, right? Like everything has to go their way from here on out. And it's hard to imagine that happening, especially in a season where everything seems to have gone wrong. You know, or a lot has gone wrong for them this season on and off the court. But, you know, I guess right now, especially after winning two games in a row, hey, you know, that's nice after a seven-game losing streak to win two games in a row. You allow yourself to start thinking, hey, what if they have figured out? What if they have turned that corner and turned things around? Just how far could this team go? And like I said, these last three games, I want them to be healthy and start playing well and get to Vegas. And then from there, just... I guess let the, what, chips fall where they may, let the cards <laughs> be dealt and see what kind of hand they can make, whatever Vegas puns I can make for this or cliche yes, or whatever. Yes, pun intended. Like, like, throw those dice. Yeah, like that's, why not? You know, it's just, it's not a pressure tournament for them anymore. It's not about, hey, you have to win this to get a high seed or they need to make this. It's like, ah, oh, just play. See what happens.
0: You, you you said something interesting there, and, and, and I think that there is a distinction, right? Like, I think that there is a distinction between a talented team and a good team. Because, for instance, last year's team was uber talented. So like, there's talented. no two ways about it. They were not a good team. This team is nowhere near as talented. But I do feel at times, situationally, they are a good team. Uh, for instance... You know, they are still playing very solid defense, right? Like you can even tell this year, the rotations, there's really no trailing defenders on a lot of the, uh, on a lot of the opposing offenses plays, you know, like, like I just remember last year watching, if you watch like a, if you, if you watch like a five minute stretch of Alonzo Trier on defense, he was trailing the defender basically like 99% of those five minutes while he was on defense. Mm -hmm. This time around, they are great about passing off. They're great about switching. They're great really about always being in the right spot. I mean, this is a very strong defensive team. Fundamentally, I feel like they're sound, which I think constitutes a good team. So now I do think that, I mean, good teams, I mean, it it, it requires you to be a good team to to, – to to earn a little bit of luck, you know, like for things to go your way. So I do think that they have that in their favor. Um but you know, I I I love the whole idea of, you know, ma- making a run in the Pac-12 or in, in making a run in, in the Big Dance, but um I guess we'll just take it day by
1: day. <laughs> I kind of have to. No, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't I like, I don't want to dislike this team and to be fair, like they're even the way they they play hard. You yeah, know, they didn't quit after the seven game losing streak and they're A lot more enjoyable of a team. If you just ignored the record, which is hard to do, don't get me wrong, but they're a lot more enjoyable than last year's team. Yeah. Which we all, I mean, they obviously underachieved last year. And you know, I think they got just beat by a fluky game in the NCAA tournament. But the fact that they even lost eight games altogether was, for that team, as talented as it was, disappointing to say the least. Mm -hmm. this year's team i know we were hopeful and we saw during non-conference that they competed against gonzaga they competed against auburn you know after beating iowa state and even then close loss to alabama and then the baylor game was the first game we were just like oh god like what what was that and i think ever since then it's kind of been okay who is this team and you know we were hoping that after they started pac-12 play they're on a nice little winning streak and it's like okay maybe they're better than we thought maybe they have figured something out and of course they the injuries have they lose to oregon and then you, know, you lose Chase Jeter against Oregon State, and from there you have that long losing streak. So I don't know if this team is better than we thought it'd be, as good as we thought it'd be, worse or where they are. But if nothing else, they play hard, and I don't hate them. Like, I don't dislike this team because I feel like this team is probably getting the most out of its ability. But it's just been disappointing that they've dealt with the adversity on the court. You know, Brandon Williams getting hurt, Chase Jeter getting hurt, ACOT transferring, because those are things that are tough to deal with midseason. You know, just when they, they haven't had their, they haven't, the last time they had their full roster was what, the Oregon game? Yeah. You know, they that had, was even kind of weird. Not even because they game, lost, because ACOT transferred after the Acott. Cal game. Yeah. So that Cal game was the last time they had their full roster. You know, then you lose ACOT and you lose to Oregon. Then you get, you lose Jeter in the Oregon State game. Like, it's just been one thing after another. So, you know, this team when healthy and right. I guess we still don't know how good they are. And the hope, if you want to hang on to something right now, is that because those guys were hurt, players like Dutrieve, like Barcelo, like Ira Lee saw their roles increase. They gained confidence. They gained experience. And now when you get those guys back, you're a better all-around team for it. But, you know, I guess that's, that's the pipe dream, right? That's the U of A fan who's, you know, found something pretty good to inhale because it's just it's so hard to believe so hard to imagine in part because there's no reason to believe that it could happen but i guess if you really want to break it down this team the last time it was healthy and together looked pretty good it looked like a tournament team so maybe getting back to that state in terms of the roster construction get them back looking there the fear would be that it'd be too little too late but I guess if they play well down this stretch, even if they don't win the Pac-12 tournament, you win two of the last three regular season games, including it has to be against ASU, and then you win two games in the Pac-12 tournament. You know, it wouldn't feel the worst. You'd end up winning 20 games this season, which for everything, 20, if you get 20 wins in the season where you lose seven straight at any point, that's not too bad. It's really not, and and I do think that there's some truth to that,
0: right? I I don't think it's too much reaching. I mean, I think it's factual. Like, you know, this team. When the last time that it was completely healthy... And of course, then ACOT was there, but I think we kind of have to remove that just because ACOT is now not a part of yeah, the, he uh, was no, no back, longer so. a part of the equation. But, but, but the point to that was, you know, once the team had played 17 games and really started, you know, it really started to fall into place and everything was working. Uh, they were 13 and four, four and zero oh in the conference. Right. So then from that point forward, I mean, everything just fell apart. I mean, you know, really from that point forward, what they were three and eight, They, they they've been three and eight since that point. Now, again, everyone's getting healthy. And I mean, at this point, we're probably just beating this to death. But, you know, everyone's getting healthy. And if things do normalize, if things, ha- things have stabilized right now, if things kind of get back to where they're comfortable, they figure out the rotation, everyone knows what they're supposed to do now with this new look you know that that's kind of the beauty of the basketball season really you know like not only do you play with like 30 games
1: you also have a conference tournament to Mm -hmm. kind of figure it out for one last saving grace so it's not like football where if you lose a couple games early on you're out i mean arizona right now could still win a national championship this season technically speaking they could still do that so it's
0: not going to happen but theoretically i mean
1: they they, they, i mean they're still alive yeah no one's eliminated yet I guess mm-hmm. Cal could win a national championship if you really want to play that card. But that's just kind of where they're at right now. And if you want to be the optimistic fan or the optimistic U of A person, say, hey, they're starting to get healthy. Oregon, State and Oregon, I mean, Oregon State's ahead of them, but Arizona already beat them. So, yeah. I don't think anyone thinks they're great. Oregon's certainly beatable. And then of course, ASU's a team that Arizona almost beat with a barely functional Chase cheater and with no Brandon Williams on the road. So, you think, oh, you beat them at home. And also, now you're up to, what, 19 wins in the regular season? Which, uh, you know, I guess if you would have said they're going to win 19 regular season games before this, you say, yeah, I'll take that heading into the tournament or heading to Vegas. But just the way they got there is just, I mean, that seven game losing streak is ungodly bad.
0: There you are know. two games, Adam, in that seven-game losing streak that I that I would that I feel very very comfortable that if Brandon Williams were there, we would have won. AFC. The first one's Washington, just oh. because it was at home and it was already like so. I, it just felt like a game where. We just needed some extra like next level of athleticism, some kind of something on offense just to kind of throw Washington off balance. And It just wasn't there. Um, the other one is that Colorado game. Now, I think I think I can talk a lot more people into the Colorado game than I could the Washington game. But I really just I, I that Colorado game just stings because Colorado is not that good. And it was already once again, I mean, and, and coincidentally, it was the exact same score, right? We lost 67, 60. And, you know, that game would just feel so much better right now. We'd be sitting at eight and seven. And and really that, that first round bye would still be in play at that point, you know, like things would feel better. I mean, it would still be somewhat unlikely, but it would be in much better position to get that. And just overall, you know, setting yourself up for more success now on the stretch, right? I mean, you, again, it gets back to, you you need as much luck and as many breaks as you can get at this
1: point moving forward. So that just appears on it, beat an ASU. You know, you lose those too. two games to in the LA's trip and then you beat ASU, then okay, you lose to Washington. Maybe you have some confidence you beat Washington State because that game was just weird. Yeah. You know, and then maybe you split Utah. I mean, this this whole seven game losing streak that they had, and I guess it's in the past, they've won two in a row, everything's fine in Tucson now. But, you know, that seven game losing streak, if you broke down every single game, it seemed to kind of snowball on them. And again, the first two in that streak, they were without Chase Cheater. Yeah. And the next what, Rest of that streak was without Brandon Williams. Some of those mm-hmm. games, only a couple of those games weren't competitive, and those are really the first two without Jeter in L.A. Every other yep. game from there was for them. Outside, I guess maybe Washington State, but again, that was just weird. Every other game was competitive, if not winnable. So, you know, it's I mean Arizona's won a lot of close games like that too, right? Games that were competitive mm-hmm. and they won. So that's how it goes. But if Arizona had just won one of those games to break up that streak, say they would beat an ASU or they beat in Washington, like you suggested. You know, then all of a sudden people are looking differently, but the fact that it was seven in a row and I guess you want to say add on eight out of nine to include the organ loss at home. It just was you know, it's just ugly. It's, it's a tough. you look at the ESPN schedule on the side of their pages, look at all that red in a row. And that doesn't happen for Arizona basketball. I think I mean, it's unfamiliar territory for all of us, from talking about them to being fans to those players. And you you hope that they just wash that taste out of their mouth with a couple of home wins against Cal and Stanford and now have that confidence going on this road trip. Because, you know, again, the season's not over. You know, for all intents and purposes, it might be. But they still have a few games left. And from there, again, they're not technically eliminated from contention right now. And it'd be a lot of fun to watch them Make it to a semifinal, make it to the Pac 12 tournament championship game just to see. You know, because you got to think if they get to that point, if they can win three games in a row in Vegas and get to that fourth game, then it's like, hey, they're 40 minutes away from punching their ticket to the dance in a season Aww. where that had no business happening. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that'd be fun. And I don't know how many U of A fans who don't plan on going to Vegas right now, but I can imagine if they win Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They'd show up. A lot of U of A fans are going to make that trip Saturday morning to get to Vegas for that game Saturday night. So, you know, it'd be fun to see that happen. I don't expect it to happen, but that's kind of where they're at right now. And if you want to be the optimistic person, you say, hey, Arizona's finally healthy. And like you said, the last time they were healthy, they were, what, 13 and 4? So a healthy Arizona team this season has shown to be pretty good. And now it looks like Arizona's starting to get healthy, so does that mean they'll be pretty good? Because pretty good might be good enough to beat Oregon State. Might be good enough to beat Oregon on the road and it might be good enough to beat ASU at home. And at that point again, you're at nineteen wins to end the regular season and in not necessarily good shape for Vegas, but feeling better about yourself.
0: Yep. Yep. Totally. Totally. So do so we stock uh,
1: ourselves into it? Is everything, are we good now? Arizona's going to make a run in Vegas, <laughs> dude. I I just told you a few weeks ago, last time we
0: recorded actually that I'm, I'm not, I mean, I may seem like I should be drug tested, but I, I really think that, uh, I, I think that there's a like if they get healthy again and it's trending that way now, I, I don't think it's crazy. I, I don't think it's crazy. Now it's, it's a bit unlikely. Yeah, sure. I'll give you that. Cause you have to win four games in four days. But again, the, the Pac-12 tournament is just going to be, who knows?
1: Anyone's There'd best. Be a lot of bad this. basketball teams playing for the right yeah. to go to the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think another thing this team has going for it, and I know we got to wrap this up here because we're a little over an hour already, but um, just just the upperclassmen, you know, like like the guys that you know, what one thing that should be said and it's very admirable of this team is they never really seemed too shaken during the seven-game losing streak. You know, like no. the the you, you said it earlier, like. They they did legitimately play hard. They 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 never once quit at any point during the seven game losing streak. And I think a lot of that has to do with the Justin Coleman's, the Chase Jeters, the Ryan Luthers. You know, like just just the upperclassmen there that kind of keep things together. So and, if you're, and of course if Sean you're Miller, Coleman,
1: you're Luther. You came to Arizona with the expectation you'd go to the NCAA tournament. Yes. And mm-hmm. granted, it's not like they're victims in this. They played a role in this team being where it's at. Of course, but you know you got to think. There's players like that on every team. Don't get me wrong, but you got to think guys like that are going to try extra hard and try to make sure this team can be as good as it possibly can down this stretch because they came to Arizona for a reason, and right now they're going to fall short of that.
0: Yeah, right. All right, man, Uh, one last thing here, and actually I meant to touch on this earlier before we jumped right into all the uh, Cal Stanford recaps and everything, but so Yahoo reported this, uh, recording this uh, Monday night, February 25th, uh, Yahoo reported that it's official Sean Miller. And of course then the LSU's, uh, coach will Wade, both of them will be subpoenaed in the April trials. I, is this, I, I feel silly for even mentioning this because I think it was just about a surefire. Like if Vegas had to put money on it, it'd be like a minus three thousand three hundred. 300. Like it was going <laughs> to happen. um, I mean, is there? Is this, do we even? Is this even worth really talking about? I mean, what are your thoughts here? I don't. I, I I'm not surprised. So I don't even know how much we should put in this. I know Bryant and Rob will probably talk on
1: it a bit more, but I mean, do you have anything to add here, Adam? No, I mean it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, this more negative-ish Arizona news, right? Like, and even if there's nothing new there, and it seemed like it was trending this way, and if he's if he's subpoenaed it's as a witness, not as a suspect, like he's not going to be uh, he's not going to be on trial, as we can tell. And I think what people need to remember too is that Sean Miller's never been charged with any crime. This is an FBI investigation, and Sean Miller's never been charged with any type of crime. Now, whether or not the NCAA will find some lack of institutional control or, you know, that remains to be seen, and that's going to be the thing that Arizona has to worry about. But, you know, people were like, oh, I I had people asking me, like, do you think this could be the thing that gets Arizona to move on from Miller? And I, I still maintain if they were going to do it, they would have done it a year ago. That for whatever reason, whatever Miller told them, whatever evidence that Arizona has put together over the last year plus, they feel confident that he didn't do anything wrong, that Arizona's not going to be punished too bad through all this. So, you know, to me, it's just kind of like I'm tired of all the drip, drip, drip of news or even just the drip, drip, drip of stories, you know, even like the Yahoo one to mentioned him and Will Wade uh, LSU's coach, and it was mostly like it was the story was like 70% Miller and 30% LSU and Wade. It's like, come on, if can that, we just move yeah. on from this? You know, and, mm-hmm. and it's not going to end until it ends one way or another. And I mean, however it does, I'm ready for it to be over with. But to me, this story coming out, I was just more like, okay. You know, Arizona's back in the news again. The people who, you know, the people up north in Tempe want to celebrate, you know, who like to celebrate bad things for U of A even more than they celebrate good things for their school are going to be like, oh, see, this is more Arizona cheating. Miller, ah, it's going to happen. It's like, no, it really isn't any new information. Nothing new. There was an expected occurrence, and what could come of this, we'll have to see, you know. But if Miller, if Miller, if he generally did nothing wrong, then there's nothing he's going to have to worry about going on the witness stand. He'll answer the questions, whatever they are, and they have to, I guess, the scope of the investigation. They can just ask him if he, you know, about him. It's about this trial and about Christian Dawkins and all that. So, you know, it's possible it could go sideways, but any more so than it already has, it, it's hard for me to imagine that. So, yeah, you know, like, I didn't you know, like, I, I didn't like the headline. I didn't like the story, but looking into it and reading up on it's like, okay, it's just it happened, but it's really nothing. You know, it's nothing extraordinary that happened today. No. Mark Schlab- Schleba
0: that, uh, boy. that guy, that guy, if, if the off chance he's listening, you can suck it, sir. I'm not <laughs> a fan. So.
1: I can just picture. He <laughs> tweets us. How
0: dare you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I'm with you. So, all right, man. Yeah. That, I, I think that's fine. I mean, and, and well said, I mean that, that basically sums up probably everyone's feeling, every U of A fan's feelings on the matter. It's just like, let's just get going with this whole thing. I mean, this has been a long time coming. This has been a very long 18 months, however long now it's been. So let's just move on. But yeah, Adam. So, okay. Yep. So as, as mentioned, Thursday, February 28th, uh, the last road trip kicks off in Corvallis. Then they finish it up uh, Saturday, March 2nd. It's crazy. We're already here. Three three games left on the slate,
1: and then they go up to Vegas. So let's hope we're back next week talking about at least one win, maybe even two, and the supreme confidence that Arizona's gonna just destroy ASU and Tucson.
0: Uh I'm I'm predicting a sweep this weekend. Oh, yeah. he's doing it.
1: I'm doing it. He's doing it. I, I can't go there. I can see can't a do split it. Okay. though. But okay. I want to see just two good, you know, well played basketball games. Arizona stays healthy. Williams looks like himself and The Cats, even if they lose, look like a team that can compete and win a few more games the rest of the way. All right. Well,
0: uh, there you have it guys. We will touch base. Uh, so, so we, we've been doing this week on week off thing. We will definitely record next week leading up to the ASU game. Luckily that game is not played until Saturday. So, um, hang tight with us. Don't, don't, don't freak out. If this, if if you don't see anything in your, in your podcast feed uh, around Monday or Tuesday, it's, uh, just bear with us. We'll definitely get something out next week for ASU week. So, uh, until then bear down.